Welcome to the Old Moms Podcast. We're childhood friends on opposite ends of motherhood, inspiring moms of all ages and stages to laugh at life's unexpected, ridiculous, and endearing moments. Hey, Gina, how you doing? Hey, doing good over here. How are you? Doing well. I got a good night of sleep last night, which is not always easy to come by these days. Oh, I'm so glad. What's What helped? What have you been doing? Well, now that I'm a woman of a certain age, I have to have conditions perfect for sleep. So I have to have the right temperature in the room, which requires me remembering to turn the thermostat down early enough in the evening. It has to be cool enough so I'm not flashing through the night. And I have to have no light in the room. I'm very sensitive to light. So the little glowing green light on our smoke alarm feels like an alien spaceship spotlight landing in the room. So I actually found these cool little partially see-through covers from Amazon, these little translucent black dots that you can put over tiny LED lights like that, where you still see the light and you just don't see the glow out effect where it casts onto the carpet in a totally dark room. So it was a dark room. I had the temperature was cool. I had my leg pillow. Have I told you about my leg pillow? You know, when we took our trip to Oklahoma, you brought the leg pillow with you, which I felt like was we've turned a page in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> when you knew like something has changed. <laughs> yeah. You told me I can't sleep without this. And honestly, I sometimes sleep with a pillow between my legs too. It's kind of the way it goes, I guess, at this age. Oh yeah. I mean, I would be having serious hip pain if I didn't have that with me. If I forgot it on a trip, I would have to immediately Amazon Prime one to myself or pick one up somewhere. Actually, I invented in my head an inflatable one just so people could keep it in their suitcases, but I don't even know how to go from that idea to having it in real life. But I just need something to position my hips where I'm not, you know, I'm a side sleeper and I have to have it. So my hips are supported throughout the night with something between my knees. So, well, I'm glad you figured out the perfect combination of things to get a good night's sleep because I can't function if I don't get at least eight hours of sleep, which seems ridiculous as a mom to need that kind of sleep. But I really do. No, it makes a huge difference just in mood and how healthy and clear minded we feel and how responsive we can be to our kids for sure. It makes a big difference. Well, how much sleep are you getting these days? Well, thankfully, little guy's been sleeping through the night pretty well. He maybe gets up once, just kind of has a little cry out and pretty much will go back to sleep within a half hour. So we're letting him do his own thing. Gosh, I hope we can set him up to be a good sleeper. As an adult, that doesn't need constant back rubbing and sing songs and all kinds of other things to fall asleep. So we're really working on that because, of course, it's so tempting. He's crying out. He's literally calling my name and I have to ignore it. But I'm sitting there watching him on the monitor. He's fine and, and all that. But thank goodness he sleeps through the night. So I've been sleeping really well, too. Well, I know it's hard to hear them calling out your name. But one thing that I used to do was watch the clock when they would wake up, especially when we were kind of doing a sleep training phase and they would be crying it out for a short period of time, but it feels like forever when you're laying there just waiting to not have your heartstrings tugged. I would look at the clock and think, okay, I'm going to wait five full minutes, which feels like an eternity when you're listening to your kid call out and cry for you. But it would help to do that because then I knew in my mind intellectually, it hasn't been that long. I mean, five minutes of crying, we had that over and over again during the day, you know, for various reasons. So it wasn't, didn't feel out of the ordinary to let that run its course. Yeah, good point. Time is a weird thing when you're dealing with a crying baby because it feels like six hours have passed and it's been 10 minutes, like you said. So I've been doing this little game on my phone. It's like a free game that is a ridiculous, mindless 
put colors together and pop the bubbles or whatever. And that's kind of a good one because I kind of fall into my competitive ways. I didn't realize I was so competitive, but apparently when I'm competing against strangers on the other side of the world at 3 a.m. Are you playing pop math where you're working on your math facts? I wish I should. I totally should. No, this is like straight up. It's not the famous one that like everybody does. It's some kind of cheap knockoff of the original game where you're putting delicious treats together. But um, yeah, I get very competitive because if you get first place, you get like 500 coins. Then you can use those coins to buy more lives or to buy special tools to help you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I do when I'm just trying to not feel like the crappiest mom on earth because my baby is screaming my name. I mean, it's just human nature to feel like total garbage when you're like, I'm just going to lay here while you scream for me. You know, it kind of goes against nature to ignore your child calling your name. So, but he sleeps great. Thank goodness. Yeah. And he's still in a crib right now. He's still in the crib. He has started putting his leg up like where he soon will be able to hoist himself over and out, but we're going to hang on to that crib till he's fully ready. I fully support that. I love cribs. I was thinking we had got the advice from some parents that had teenagers when our boys were little to keep in our like our bedroom master bedroom closet a sleeping bag and a little pillow kind of almost like a scared in the middle of the night kit to help prevent the kids from actually getting into your bed at night. I don't know about you guys, but there's no good sleep for us if we would have a kid in the bed. We have a queen size bed and we sleep right next to each other and there's just no room for a kid to be a whirling dervish in the middle of the night. None of us would sleep. Yeah. It's interesting how everybody's so different with sleep. So I had to adjust when we got married to he needs a fan on all night. So there's like a fan blowing and it needs to be 65 degrees. So oh. I had to just kind of adjust. Like I, I realized I could, I'm a pretty good sleeper. I could kind of sleep under any circumstance, but like he is so specific about what he needs in order to sleep. There's so many little tweaks that I had to just kind of roll with because he could not sleep otherwise. I mean, I have preferences. Don't get me wrong. There's things I'd prefer, but I can handle it. You guys are kind of like us, but opposite because I have to adjust my sleeves just right. And mm-hmm. the, I like the bed kind of short sheeted. I can't have the sheet be coming up past my my neck or, you know, right kind of where my chin line is and everything has to be just so. So I feel Patrick and it's the same thing. I cannot, I just couldn't even sleep. And if Joe can fall asleep when we're all watching a family movie and he's sitting completely upright, then I don't think he could be the decider of sleep conditions, you know? Yeah. I mean, I will say that's so annoying. I'm going to say it because Patrick's the same way. First of all, I was talking about my fun game I play. I will admit sometimes I play it even when I don't have to play it because my baby's crying. And occasionally Usually Patrick gets in the bed and it it feels like a waterbed for the first five minutes because he's adjusting his shorts, trying to like get his pillow just right. And sometimes he makes me fat finger on my game. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's a stupid free game, but I get so upset. I'm like, could you just get in here and calm down? He's like, well, my shorts were riding up and the sheet was completely like he has to like shake the, sh- the fitted sheet out and tighten it around the, the edge of the yes. know, corner of the bed. I'm like, what is happening over there? I know exactly what he's talking about and I completely identify with him. So but what else can you do if you cannot sleep with any other condition? We could try that for a week with me not sleeping at all and Patrick not sleeping at all and see, <laughs> and see how you and Joe enjoy that. <laughs> I know every time we watch old reruns of the honeymooners or I love Lucy or whatever, and they're in separate twin beds. Anytime we have a problem, I'm like, I am about to trade out our bed. 
for two twin beds. <laughs> it's a genius idea. We can push them together when we need to, but the other 95% of the time, stay over there. <laughs> it's so tricky. This is that, I think this is one of the hardest stages is you see your little baby getting bigger and you want to cling on to them being tiny and hold them and snuggle as much as you can. But man, if we don't set the tone for sleep, it really messes all of us up. Oh, for sure. And then when you do transition out of the crib, he's never going to want to stay in there if he's used to not having to stay even after he wakes up and get himself back to sleep, you know? Yeah, exactly. We're thinking about that too, because that's coming around the corner pretty quick. Do you think you'll do a twin bed? I've seen people get those little tiny toddler beds. I'm not a fan. Well, this crib converts into a bed and I think you could put a twin bed mattress on it. Like I think that the side of the crib becomes the headboard or something. So I don't know. Honestly, we were just talking about the other day. Like what do we, what's our plan? Do we put a twin mattress on the floor? I mean, what do you suggest? Well, I bet that the side of the crib would be probably a full size uh, headboard is what my guess is for a full-size bed, which I think would be totally fine. Honestly, that's what I would probably go for. We had two cribs that were older that someone had given us to borrow, and they didn't convert into a bed at all. So we purchased twin mattresses and box springs, and then we just set them on the floor. We didn't even buy headboards or footboards for years. I mean, with two boys, and we were living in a smaller place then, I wanted to let them be able to kind of engage in some wild rumpus around the house. And so we allowed jumping on the bed, and we had had them situated in the larger master bedroom of that home. And so we had a little tykes climbing structure in there and it was just kind of fun land. So we, I didn't want anything where they could hit their heads or get hurt in any other way. So we just did twin mattresses and on top of box springs on the floor. It was the perfect height for two-year-olds to be climbing in and out of and they could still make their beds and we had twin size quilts on them. But what is awesome about transitioning out of the crib and having a real bed is that the tuck-ins totally change. You know, I mean, now you just kind of are laying them down and the mattress has to be so low. And so then it's like they stand up when you lift them over the side and lay down on their own. And then you have the side of the crib in your armpit while you're trying to rub their backs or something. But it's so nice when they get a bed and you tuck them in and then you can lay down beside them. You can bring your stack of books in there and they're in their jammies and they're all tucked in and you're next to them reading or you can lay next to them after you turn the light out and chat for a little bit. I just forgot that that was coming kind of. So I was sad when they were done. Our guys were done with their cribs too. And they started climbing out or one of them would climb out and then help his brother get out. So, but then we got the beds and I thought, oh my gosh, we can sit next to him. We can sit on the side of the bed and chat and rub their backs. And it was fun. It was a fun transition. I felt like. Oh, that's so good to hear. So many things are changing so quickly. I mean, it's very exciting. He's talking so much and doing so much independently. Lunchtime is an hour longer than it used to be because now he's feeding himself. For me, it's like watching a soup spill repeat on his shirt, you know, like I'm just watching food fall on him repeatedly. So giving that independence is awesome. But it also adds this level of like, whoa, okay, that's new for all of us. It's not just new for him. It's new for all of us. So I am excited about that, too. Because I think that's what the temptation is of laying in the bed with us is that we get to snuggle because I agree, I really hate having to put him in because he immediately stands up. So we do hug him as he's standing in the crib. But then it's just like, okay, love you. Bye. (laughs) Right. feels so weird, like lay down on your own or you know sometimes you're on your knees staring through the prison bars (laughs) at your baby (laughs) 
<laughs> it does feel like goodbye more than good night. That's a great way to put it. So that's what I feel like you feel differently about once they're in a big boy bed is you're saying good night. And I think it's still not the best idea to stay until they fall asleep because then they, once they know you're going to leave as soon as they fall asleep, that they hold off falling asleep. I mean, I do, I'm a huge proponent of kids putting themselves to sleep, but you could do the, I'll come back in and check on you in five minutes. And then you make that interval longer and longer, you know, keep coming back till they're asleep, but you don't want to ever have it be where they're bracing themselves for you leaving and them being alone in there. Yeah. Good advice. I've been watching some YouTube videos and occasionally I run across some old episodes of Super Nanny, which I think is coming back. I think they have new episodes now, but she has such cool, good strategies. Like you watch this mom who's just being totally controlled by her kids at night. And then, you know, Joe Frost is like, that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I'm like, it is unacceptable. You need to get those babies in the bed, okay? And walk away. So um, I'm really happy how Patrick and I have been able to be a team on this because there have been plenty of nights where he's like ready to go in there and I'm like, get back in the bed. And then there's other times where it's me. He's just like, don't do it because he's crying so hard. And then the minute you walk in, he's like, hi, mom. I'm like, okay, I thought you had broken your arm the way you were screaming. And then I walk in, he's like, hey, what took you so long? Let's chat. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> so it is a funny thing because they have learned the art of manipulating the poor little moms and dads out there, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love Joe Frost. She always has the, is it the naughty step? Yeah. I'm trying to think what she says too. Yeah. She has like the little timeout. Yeah. But yeah, some great advice. I always think it's so funny to see sometimes on the show, it has like the night vision camera on because they're in a dark room and it always makes me laugh. Two glowing eyeballs. And she's just like coaching the mom through like, don't look at him. Don't look over there. And the kid's like screaming, trying to bust out of the crib. And she's like, don't don't look over there. Don't look over there. Keep scooting. She's like scooching on the floor an inch further away from the crib. But it's true. Like I really do think it's a gift to give your kids the ability to put themselves to sleep because as much as it's comforting and loving to have their mom or dad or grandma or auntie, whoever the amazing caregiver is rocking them to sleep. I mean, that's kind of a special one-off thing. Like my mom sometimes will rock him almost completely to sleep. And I'm like, you know, that's super special grandma bonding time, you know, on a regular basis. It's just, we have to let him put himself to sleep. Oh, absolutely. I think super nanny would be good for people to watch before they have kids. So they see what can develop develop if you start by having them only be able to fall asleep in your arms or only be able to fall asleep as they're finishing a bottle, you know, just so people know what's coming. Because I think those situations have gotten to the point where they need to call Joe Frost in, bring in the troops to help remedy the situation because it's gone on so long without parents having an expectation that's realistic and healthy for everybody to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And it all comes out of love. Like I always say, every parent is doing what they think is the best they can do. And it is against our nature. I have had to do research on it, read about it. Sometimes at night when, when he's crying for me, I'm literally reading a article about sleep to try to reassure myself that I'm not doing a disservice by not going in there. That's a good idea and a good strategy, I think, to be reading something that supports your decision about how you're going to handle sleep, just so you don't second guess yourself or while you're second guessing yourself to help reassure you. I think that's 
that's a good strategy. One thing that I always like for infants that I feel like makes a big difference, setting up a cycle for during your day where kids eat right when they wake up and then they have a period of play or alertness. I mean, this is even for just newborns straight from the hospital. And then they sleep post play, not post feeding. So at first, you know, the kids are just so tired and sleeping so much anyway that you can't help keep them awake if they're having a bottle or breastfeeding. But as they get to be just a little bit older, I mean, a month, two months, three months, it is really helpful to do that cycle that doesn't have them falling asleep only when their bellies are full. It's kind of like they get worn out from looking at board books, looking at their parents' face, having the different stimulating things in their environment, you know, laying on some tummy time on a boppy pillow or laying under a little jungle gym or a mobile or something and then drifting off to sleep from that point is really helpful because then you remove the necessity of an adult doing something to induce the sleep, like holding a bottle up or feeding them or, you know, they just learn to just kind of get tired out from doing my baby work, you know? Yeah, from the activity part of life. That's a good point to make. I didn't realize you're supposed to put your baby in the crib when they're not on the verge of falling asleep, but let them put themselves to sleep. So I was always letting him fall almost completely asleep in my arms because it feels so good. And it's just is so wonderful to see his little eyes close and you feel like you're totally awesome because you've put this baby to sleep and then laying him in the crib to kind of a little more of like, okay, here you go. And sometimes he'll play in there for an hour before he falls asleep, which was making me anxious. Like, is that okay that he's just kind of like talking and playing and, and then fall asleep? And the doctor said, that's totally awesome. It's great. It's great. I mean, it's, yeah, it's more than okay. Okay, I agree with the doctor. It is awesome. It is really good for them to have that time. I mean, how calming is that? You know, when you think of how stimulating your house is and toys that are everywhere and other people that are around and just other noises of what you guys might be listening to or cooking in the kitchen and what a calm, you know, kind of almost meditative plus imaginary time for him to spend with himself, you know, and kids need that time to process. Sleep is important for this, where they process in their minds what they've taken in and learned about the world around them during that day or that waking period. But I think even just that quiet time is more reflective than we realize, even for toddlers, where they are assimilating things that have happened. They might even be imitating. It would be interesting if you just watched and listened to the whole play session to see if you saw any newer things that you know were concepts or vocabulary words or experiences that he's taken in, if you saw any of those come out during that time. Oh, we totally do. It's actually my favorite part of the day. One of my favorite parts of the day, I should say, to just watch him on the monitor laughing and talking and he repeats what he's heard. And it cracks me up because he's got two caregivers in my mom and my father-in-law who are both from Brooklyn. So occasionally the way he says things crack me up because he's been hearing my mom all day say, bull, is that the bull? Are you playing with the bull? Where's the bull? I'm going to roll you the bull. Okay. The bull is over there. And then like, I hear him in the crib, just like bull. Bowl. I'm like, okay, <laughs> which is adorable. But I'm like, how do you spell bowl when you get to school? How do you <laughs> phonetically, how do you spell bowl? I don't even want to wasn't go. He saying, wasn't he saying coffee? Coffee. Yes. Oh my gosh. He still says coffee because both of them. I love it because he's, he talks so much. I love it. He's picking up so much and it's because he has a bunch of chatty Cathy's with him at all times. I know my mom and my father-in-law both kind of talk through what they're doing. So he'll be eating and they'll be like, I'm just going to make myself a cup of coffee. So what I'm doing is I'm putting the cup over here. I'm getting a spoon out of the drawer. He's with them for a good chunk of 
of the week. So it is a special thing to hear him mimicking them and it speaks to how much he loves them. So it's really cute. That is so special. And they are spot on to narrate everything they're doing. I mean, if you can flood your kids with language early on, it sets them up for success, not just in school, but success as communicators in their listening, in their writing, in their speaking their own ideas. It's just so important for their processing and the more language you can get at them in the form of book reading, in the form of narration. I remember once I was at the grocery store when our boys were probably about his age and I was so used to just a continuous stream of talking all day to get as many words in their ears as I could that I was at the store narrating like I always do. Well, we're going to grab this right here and this is yellow and it's a fruit and what other yellow things do we see in the produce section? And produce is vegetables and fruit. And I was alone. <laughs> I did so <laughs> but I just was never alone, usually. So I, I mean, I just happened to have a sitter for probably an hour and a half. And I went to the store, which isn't something I would normally do because I could I had that down with two of them. So I would just take them with me and not use my precious sitter time for something as not fun as grocery shopping. But I just happened to have run in there alone. And I was talking, talking, talking. And then I suddenly realized, I think I probably saw someone look at me strange and thought, oh, was I saying all that out loud? I mean, it just was so such a habit that I couldn't stop myself from doing it. I think we're both thankful that being talkative people has a benefit, you know? Like my mom always said to me, you are constantly talking. I do narrate. Patrick will say to me, you don't have to talk me through that. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing. I'm like, I know, but I'm just letting you know, I'm over here trying to figure out how to work this ninja bullet, put some frozen apples in here. Why are you? I'm like, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. And <laughs> so it's pretty exciting to know that that might help my kids. It's a superpower of ours, really. I used to narrate all the time before we even had kids. And just when we were first married and Joe would always say, he's like, why are you telling me you're going to the bathroom? Every, I mean, if I got up from the room we were in and I was going to go do something, I would just say, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I think I'm going to go make some tea. I'm going to do this. And he would always say, why are you telling me? Yeah. And I felt like, don't you want to know? You know, I mean, <laughs> we're in love. That's why I <laughs> But I, I narrate for myself now. I mean, the boys will stay or just used to it, I think. But they'll look over at me and just smile at me talking myself through some computer thing. Like, I'm going to click here. I'm going to open this up. And this is going to happen. Come on, please. Yes, there it worked. You know, I mean, I just kind of have that sing-songy talking relationship with my myself, which surprises no one that knows me. Well, that, and I think you and I secretly wish we had really good singing voices, which we don't. We both have. I'm sorry. I'm going to throw you under the bus with me. <laughs> Neither one of us can carry a tune in a bucket, but we constantly sing song everything. I can remember doing that in high school, being like, gonna finish my history paper tonight. And you're like, oh yeah. Like, what are we, what? I mean, we thought we were in high school musical before, 20 years before high school musical came out. We invented high school musical. <laughs> 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 we did. We were constantly sing-songing stuff and being goofballs. And I think it's so fun now because it's like perfect for a two-year-old. Like this is the perfect personality oh. for a two-year-old. It's perfect. And you know what? I have been leaning on that skill as a mother of teenagers because I have to try to keep myself calm now. I feel like more than I did before because mm. the 
are sensitive in a different way to me flying off the handle about stuff that doesn't truly matter, like dishwasher loading and, you know, other chore practices. So I will be frustrated with something, but trying to demonstrate that I am holding it lightly, although it does have undertones of disrespecting your mom when you leave your dirty dishes on the table because we've known our whole lives to put them in the dishwasher. Yeah. And so they just like look at me like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's effective. It's totally effective. I do that in teaching all the time. Fifth graders, same thing. I can't tell you how many times I've sing-songed, you might not go to sixth grade, but whatever. All right. <laughs> That is so funny. Well, thanks for chatting today, Gina. And I hope we both get some good sleep this week. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Bye, Gina. Bye, Sarah.